Hello and welcome back to another episode of Drama School Dropout. This week it's episode 105 and as per usual my name is Ingram Noble and I'm your resident Drama School Dropout. And this week I am joined by an actress who is truly a bucket list guest. She is best known for playing Kelly Ball on Shameless and can currently be found on Coronation Street. Please welcome to the podcast, Sally Carmen Dateen. Drama School Dropout no graduation day for you, drama school dropout. Fucked your whole course, now try something new, drama school dropout. Welcome to the podcast, how are we? Thank you, I'm really well, thank you very much, how are you? I'm I'm good. It's quite windy in Glasgow today and my trees have overgrown so if there's any leaves or branches hitting my windows I do apologize. But yeah, it's 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 quite a windy day and I'm not I'm not here for it. Oh, I see the thing is I I I I'm a real autumn girl so I love it when the season changes and we start getting like the rainy weather and the overcast skies. The miserable weather basically, but it makes you know, I'm not quite sure why to be honest, but I love it. Do you know what? I like it as well, but kind of scared this year about all of this energy crisis and that. I think I prefer the summer for a little while longer. Oh, yeah, no, there is that. That just isn't good at all, is it? It's, uh, um, do we even want to go down that road? Because I don't, because uh, we'd be here for hours. We'd be here for hours and we'd just be furious. And I'd probably have some sort of letter from Liz Truss trying to do me for treason. Uh, probably, because I think she's probably capable of that. <laughs> Yeah, probably. I mean, bring on Scottish independence is all I've got to say on the matter. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> um, I, I want to get this out of the way because it's always it's always the awkward part. Um, things like this episode particularly mean a lot to me because anytime I get a guest that has a has had a particular impact upon my life, it I get a bit nervous. Um, Shameless is one of my favorite tv shows of all time it's one of the reasons why i'm an actor and it's the stuff that i love to do so thank you for being a part of something that has considerably changed my life oh wow that's amazing well well thank the casting director (laughs) (laughs) no um shameless shameless absolutely has 100 percent. like it's weird to say that a tv show about a council estate is the reason why i'm I'm a professional pretender, but here we are. No, I get that. I get that. Um, and I'll, I'll I'll tell you why I get that, because weirdly, Coronation Street, as a kid, was one of the reasons I wanted to be an actor due to Barbara Knox and um, Julie Goodyear. Just seeing them, uh, for instance, Barbara Knox doing the whole Alan Bradley storyline, just see, and I was only tiny, but I mm. remember just to do that. And um, Julie Goodyear's, Bet Gilroy sat at the table at the back of the Rovers, looking rough as toast, with a cigarette holder puffing away. She looked, but she was just like, there was no vanity. She was just crying and dead. And I just thought, oh, I want to do that. And I couldn't quite put a finger on why, but I just, I knew I wanted to do it because it kind of reached out and I felt something. So I get, I get it. I mean, you ended up on Coronation Street. I, it would take a couple of small miracles for me to end up on Shameless. <laughs> well, it actually would, because there'd have to be time travel involved. To be fair. Uh, well, even if... Because I, I recently... Can I say this? Yes, this will be out by the time that's out. Um, I recently had Aaron McCusker on the show, and um, we were talking about it, and I don't think I'd want them to bring it back 
No, absolutely not. You no. couldn't do Shameless because we were talking about that and it was like, what would you want to be in that's finished? And my answer has always been two pints of lager and a packet of crisps because you couldn't do Shameless now the way it's supposed to be done. Absolutely. absolutely. Could you imagine a walk Frank Gallagher? Oh, my goodness, no. Uh, it's, 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 uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it was one of those shows, like, I guess, like, Faulty Towers, completely different thing, but mm. it was just of its time in a, in at the right moment, and it was the, it was the show we all, we didn't realise we all needed, in a yeah. way. It broke so many boundaries um, and opened up a new way of doing television. A hundred percent. I remember I possibly have the most shameless story of how I started watching Shameless. And it was around the time, do you know when DVD recorders were just coming into fashion? So you could record stuff off the telly onto a DVD. And I'm a massive Harry Potter fan. And my auntie at the time recorded a JK Rowling documentary. And I remember her giving me the DVD and saying, the thing that you're allowed to watch is on what like track number one, for lack of a better word. Do not watch what is on track number two. I think I was maybe 10. <laughs> and the first thing I did was like, well, I know I'm going to enjoy the JK Rowling documentary. So we'll see what track number two is first. And I watched my very first episode of Shameless. And the only thing that I can remember is Tina Malone was in it and so was uh, David Threlfall. So it could have been any number of episodes. I love that. Because I was just going to say, because actually you're probably too young. I'm 24. To, yeah. So when did Shameless come out? Well, we stopped filming it, was it 10 years ago? Maybe eight years ago? And when it started, that was a good sort of eight years previous to that. So you shouldn't have been watching it. So I'd have been like three or four when it started, something like that. Well, that's depressing. <laughs> I am sorry. More more about Shameless later on in the show. What? How's life? Because we're in this really, especially right now in the UK at time of recording, very weird situation to be in. We're also half out of a pandemic, half in a pandemic, all that jazz. It's fun, isn't it? It is. It's, um, it's a very strange time, without a doubt. I think what I'm realising more and more is that it's really easy and understandable to sort of go down a mental path of things just look bleak and are, are, are things going to turn around um, or is it just going to be bleak and is it going to get worse? And I think that there's a real danger of falling into that and um, and that's not good for anyone. Certainly like mm. young generations, it's, it's really important to just have a positivity about the future and where we're at and things can change and they will change because ultimately that's what life is ever changing uh, but it's really easy to get caught up in this really negative everything's bad everything's and um, because yeah so things are, are looking pretty grim but it can't be a mindset it can't be your mindset because you'll just go under I, I, yeah. I, I, you know because it's really difficult at the minute but um, I've made a a real point to not do that and to look for the good. I've stopped reading the news. I'm very oh, careful. I stopped that in like March 2020. Exactly, me too. And and I'm just really, really um, what's proactive in putting good things into my life and focusing on positives and without being like airy-fairy about it, but I think it's really essential, certainly right now. Mm. But for me, 
on a personal note, life's great. I've just got married. I've got a congratulations. Brilliant you, um, I've had you know a brilliant summer. So I, you know, I'm, it's it's in one way very easy for me to say that. But yeah, I think we have to work at. We have to we have to choose sometimes to be happy or to be positive. On on the topic of you getting married again, congratulations. How is married life treating you? It's good. It's good. It does feel different when you get married. I don't know what it is, but it kind of cements it. Don't think I'm up for it right now, to be honest. How old are you now then? 24. Oh, God, I just should hope not. But I think I... I'm going to stay this age for a couple of years. Oh, yeah, I'm staying 37 for the next 10 years at least. <laughs> During the summer, somebody asked me how old I was, and I was like 23. Yeah. And I wasn't. I was 24. And my mum turned around and went, why are you lying? <laughs> Brilliant. Why are you lying for? And I went, Liza, stop. <laughs> but I have been doing it unconsciously. I was editing a podcast the other day and somebody kept asking. And I think I lied about it unconsciously at least four times in the episode. Brilliant. And kept saying to myself, like, as I was editing, you're 24. Yeah. Well, I think we'll we'll drop back down to 23. But yeah, what I love to ask everybody that comes on the podcast, apart from lying about my age, is how did you get into acting? And what was your first ever role? It doesn't have to be professional. We love a good nativity story. <laughs> uh, I So I always wanted to be an actor ever since I was, well, I don't remember a time when I didn't, but I didn't, I, I didn't do any classes. Mm. I it at school because it wasn't an option I did two school plays my whole life when I was nine and when I was 10 in junior school and the first one I played a little boy with a flat cap and the second one I played a little boy I'm sensing and, a typecast I know yeah uh so that was that I don't really remember much else about that to be honest and then when I was now when I left school I did a b-tech in performing arts which I got kicked off of love that yeah I got kicked off of it um, I just, I wasn't really focused <laughs> and I was in a band at the time yeah. and I was out drinking pints and wearing leather trousers and, and singing Van Halen songs. And then they, they, they kicked me out and then they said, you can come back the next year. So I was like, oh, brilliant. So I, I came back the next year and they kicked me off again. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, you can't come back next year. I do want you not taking it seriously. And I thought, you know what? Fair enough, because that is correct. And my dad at the time did the whole reverse psychology and he went, I thought he wants to be an actor. And I said, Well, I do. He said, Well, when are you going to do it? And how are you going to do it? Oh, well, I'll, I'll go to dance school. He went, But you won't. You're not focused in any way. Yeah, I don't think you're going to do it. And I went, I am. I'll show you. <laughs> so I applied for some drama schools um, and I got in Atlanta. I did it out of spite as well. Yeah, I know. It's funny, isn't it? It's what, whatever gets you, I'll show you. I oh, mean, who mine that was my chemistry teacher. Oh, oh well, I hate that bitch. <laughs> well, it's funny because I don't know. Like when I was at school, I was told to forget about being an actor. It wasn't going. It wasn't for the likes of me. That's what. Um, I'm glad you took notice. Yeah, and and I was actually said you could. They, they said I could be be a teacher. Be, why don't you be a teacher? That because it's like you. That was at a parents' evening, and I was like, oh well, we'll see, we'll see. Yeah, yeah. So now that. <laughs> I, I never wanted to be a teacher because I knew I'd have to deal with kids like me. No, well, quite. But, uh, but the, like you are the best kids because they're passionate and they just need... Not only in what I was interested in. Yeah, but that's okay because, you know, like you put 
bicycle it's not going to work is it but i feel like school should be like that it should be like what do you want to do because they basically asked you anyway they're like what do you want to do okay you want to be an actor well we're still going to give you six hours a week of science Mm, I know but then also you know I guess it's having a fully rounded perspective on life and and sometimes you have to have yeah you have to be aware and have as many skills as you can and sometimes you have to do stuff you don't want to do 100% but I just Uh. I think that especially in working class schools there is a um a precedence put on getting GCSEs going to university and sort of beating the barrier of being working class and being from a small village and essentially breaking out of said small village. And I think that it should be like said, like, no, you can achieve things not going down this path. Yeah, I get that. I do. And I think you're right. I was just a little activist at 16. You're right. I guess it's that thing of, like you say, because I grew up on a, um, in a pit village and it, there's no money. Literally same. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, But I guess people are products of their environment and their way, the way forward is, well, if you get certain qualifications, you, you can have doors open for you. Uh, the idea of a, a young council estate kid going, I want to be an actor, it is going to be like, no, you can't do that. Be set, be realistic. You're not going to work. Da, da, da. It's just what they know because they mm. were told the same and they haven't had experience of it, I guess. But what is brilliant, your teachers will now look at you and go, oh, so maybe it is possible. Maybe you are helping them. I mean, them they see- did phone me and ask me to speak at the rewards evening last year and I, I nicely declined. Why? That was your opportunity. It, it was, but I felt that at the time, like this was last October, I hadn't done the things that I had set out to do. Doesn't matter. Now, now I would because I feel like there's sort of something that you can talk about and there's something that I can go back and say, they told me this, I said no, and I've done X, Y, and Z. Whereas last year it would have been, they told me no, I said no, and I'm about to do X, Y, and Z. Do you know what I, I mean? You should then go back to them and say, look, I, I, I couldn't do it last year, but how about I'm available. Year? Yes, and also you'll be able to like educate the teachers. Mm. They don't offer drama anymore, which I think is a terrible shame. It's, that's that's not their fault. It's different areas. It's seen as like an indulgent subject, which is nonsense, because without creativity, without the artistry, we are, what are we? We're robots, we're machines. We need it. Somebody said to me the other day, Earth without art is just eh. Well, yeah. It's true. I like that. And I was like, I'm. St- I was like, consider that stolen. It's my yeah, new tagline. Yeah. I like it. Um, but talking about schools and stuff, you went to Lambda, and one of my favorite things in this world fuels my life are funny or crazy drama school stories. Do you have a favorite? Because the shit that goes on behind those doors that people would not believe. Do you have a favorite story you can share with us? Oh, okay. Well. I really don't want to disappoint you here. The problem with my drama school stories is whenever I see anyone who knows me from that time in my life, always go, oh, do you remember when you did this? And I'm like, no, because I was drunk. <laughs> no, because I was, I think I was drunk. Um, so a lot of the stuff I have done or remember, well, don't remember, is when, so I'm so, kind of tell my story secondhand because they've been retold to me. But yeah, we drama school was, it was, well, I was like, again, it's just this like this, 
young kid who had a real chip on his shoulder, desperately wanted to do something, fell out the completely out of the depth. Um, so struggled in a lot of ways at drama school. I was I was kind of like, ah, oh, and and there was a lot of people with a lot of money, and they seemed to everything kind of came easier. I sort of struggled through everything. Everything was like. I'm not good enough. I'm doing. I was angry all the time, you know. Um, so yeah, it was it was a tricky, brilliant time. But it was until the third year, I guess, when we had new independent directors come in who didn't know you, didn't know how you'd been at drama school, didn't know which building your daddy had bought. Well, yeah, and also didn't know all the havoc I'd caused at points, <laughs> or teachers had worn out or stormed out of classes, or who I hadn't like threatened. <laughs> You're painting a very lovely picture here right now. Terrible, I am. But I was just like quite defensive, so I got a fresh start, really. Which I think happens. I, I, I'd probably say the same for me, and I would argue that you would maybe find similarities in a lot of people who were told to become teachers or that they couldn't become actors. And I think that that's where the issue begins. It's systematic. Yeah, it is. Absolutely, it is. Because you're fighting against all these opinions that you aren't quite good enough. Um, that this Including your old, own. Including your own, because as much as you're going, no, I am, I can, I can, I can. Suddenly you're in a position where it's given to you or it's available and suddenly you're like, oh, maybe maybe, maybe I'm not good. I'm not going to, I can't, mm, what if, mm, and you always feel like you're going to get found out or they're going to go, oh, no, you can't do it or... Yeah, that's not as good as that, and, and or you're not as, and you haven't got a kid. Yeah, you've got such a distorted perspective of who you are, what you're able to do due to other people's distortions, that you have to start all over again, and it's a real battle a lot. So, and especially at drama school, that distortion is amplified tenfold because you spend more time at drama school pretending to be somebody else than you do being yourself. Yeah, I know. It's it's a funny one. It is a funny one. So, yeah, story-wise, I can't say... Plus, I'm menopausal. So, I, you know, I'm finding my glasses in the fridge and the wardrobe and stuff at the minute. I, and I'm, I'm doing that and I'm not menopausal, so you're all good. It's terrible. I was looking at... What was a teapot the other day? I'm like, what is that? Is it what? What is that? And I'm like, it's a teapot. But it took a second for me to remember what it was. That's how bad it is. I forgot how so, to spell my own name the other day. Awesome. Yeah. That's pretty... I, I was bit. filling out a form and I went, oh. and I had to check my Facebook. <laughs> I went, I just looked at it and I, I went to write and I went, um. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, excuse. I, I don't uh, sleep, lack of sleep. The sold out five star play is returning to Webster's Theatre. This is where we get off by Ingram Noble and Heather Spiden follows the Moffat family through some of the most difficult days of their lives. Yvonne is seven months pregnant, her husband Philip is constantly disappearing and leaving dodgy phone bills behind, their 18 year old son Lip is debating joining the army and trying to navigate his love life, and their dog breeding sex toy selling neighbour Rhonda is still doing her weekly shop in their kitchen. How will they cope with the unexpected arrival of an estranged family member? Make sure to get your tickets from the link in the show notes below to see This Is Where We Get Off at the Webster's Theatre on the 11th of February, 2023. One of the things that I learned at drama school was that it's a defining moment in my life, at least, and I learned a lot of lessons about myself. What was the biggest lesson you learned at drama school? Okay, well, I know that one. That was, it was during a third year show that we were doing, and I was late 
to rehearsals and it was a, a, a an Israeli director called Gadi Rom and he'd come in specifically to do Don Juan Comes Back From The Wall, which is the show we were doing. And I turned up late and I thought for a ve- very valid reason because I'd won a scholarship at that point and I had to go to the main house to collect it so I could get to um, where we were rehearsing, which was out of town. I didn't have any money. So I was like, well, I've got to do that. Blah, blah, blah. Anyway, I turned up and Gaddy was like, where have you been? I was like, oh, well, I had to go and get somebody to get here. And he's like, no. He said, that should have been sorted out before today. And he literally was relentless in his getting his point across. I was like, yeah, but he's like, no. And he was just like, mm-hmm. when this would not wash in a professional environment. You are responsible to get up on time. Um, and and I was like, yeah, but, but, and and I was like, mm. and then we did the re- the rehearsal, and then at lunchtime, um, I went for some lunch with a friend, and I'm like, I just, I, I, I had to go and still sort of justifying it. Anyway, he was in the restaurant, and came up, and he started again, and I was like, what, what? And then suddenly, I was just exhausted, and I just started crying, which wasn't like me really. Mm. Then he softened and he went, do you see what I'm trying to tell you? He said, you can have all the talent in the world. You can have all the opportunity in the world, but you can blow it just as easily. There's always someone going to step into your shoes. There's always someone as good, if not better than you. If you have an opportunity, you have to absolutely make the most of it. And be, he said, it's, it's as much about being a team player as it is anything you bring to it besides mm. that. And I suddenly just got it. it I just got it. And that's when everything changed. How many times have you been late since? Um, I'm never late. But I remember on Shameless, I had a run like that. But it happened like three times consecutively because I'd got myself into a rat panic. So initially, I was in, I had to be, you could have a car. They used to bring a a provider car to take to work. But I like to drive myself. So I was like, Mm. I don't need a car. I'll just drive myself. You got your own way in and an escape route. Yeah, exactly, and I, I and a lot a lot of drivers like to chat, and I'm I'm in the morning. I like to just be. Cool. Do you like um, to talk when you're at the hairdressers? Um, I hate it. Yeah, uh, no, I, I'm all right with my hairdresser now because she's awesome. But no, I don't like it. I'd rather just sort of read because I'm or I'm off. I'm either like I'll give you everything. Mm, I'm not yeah. very good at. No, I'm not very good at that. Yeah, I was getting my hair cut about two weeks ago, and. I've came up now that if anybody asks me what I do, I say I'm an accountant because nobody cares. Like, sorry to all accountants out there. It's the truth. But when you say you're an actor, they're like, what have you done? And then you've got the embarrassing thing of saying nothing. Um, And (laughs) (laughs) yeah. And so this guy was like, oh, what do you do? And I was like, oh, I'm an accountant. And he went, spicy accountant. And I went, what do you mean? Like, obviously I knew what he meant, but I was like playing stupid. And he went, what do you, he went, you do porn. And I went, no. I was like, accountant, numbers. He went, oh, sorry. (laughs) I was like, I should have just told him I was an actor. (laughs) Oh, no, that's not good, is it? Because when when somebody says, do you do porn? And you go, no, it makes it really look like you do porn. do, all the time, yeah. Promise, mum, I don't do porn. (laughs) 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 But... But talking about shameless, um, like like I said, it is it it has impacted my life in in so many ways, and I I do feel like I fly the the flag for UK shameless fans because uh, public service announcement: the American one is shit. Don't bother watching it. Um, and I did introduce all of my friends to it during lockdown. 
all your underage friends who should... no, oh, we, no. during oh. lockdown we were fine me and me and my best mate bubbled up because he lives across the road and i live on my own so we were like i'm not doing this on my own oh, and pretty. we got disney plus and we went through all the star wars and then we, we we ran out of shit to watch right this is how bad it was getting and shameless uk got uploaded to netflix and i was like you ever watch this I used to watch it on 4OD. I even paid to watch it without the ads. And he was like, I've seen a couple of episodes, but I like, never like watch. I was like, we watching, we watching Shameless. And I, and now it's one of his favorite TV shows. Wow. So right. Paul so Abbott, please give me a job. And uh, you know what? He's, uh, he's, he's not averse to shout outs like that. It's Paul, to be fair. He's, uh, he's all about, he's, he's brilliant actually, because he's, he's one he's, of my heroes. Him and yeah, Susan Nixon. It's not about what have you done, who are you? It's like, if he sees something, even if you've never done anything before, he will give you a chance. And I love that about him. But I uh, love that too, Paul. Yeah, honestly, he's, he's an amazing man. So, in your opinion, when did Shameless start turning into a show that wasn't what it used to be? What series? Now you're testing my knowledge for remembering numbers. Oh, so character. I... Oh, possibly. Don't know if I should say that. Actually. Oh, okay, don't say. That. No, I will. Um, oh. When when Kelly and Shane split up. Oh. I, yeah. I, I, um, I didn't like what the Jack Deem's been on the podcast. We spoke about this, so it's all good. When Marty came back for that final time. Yeah. And also, I just think that a lot of the original characters left, and yeah. the new ones didn't fill their shoes. Well, I, that's the thing, isn't it? Because I think when you, you want to sort of keep something at the top of its game, you, you've, you've got to be really brave and not try and just copy what's been, but forge ahead and really understand what yeah. it is. And I think, yeah. What did think you think it, of the final episode? I didn't watch it. All right, okay. <laughs> Do you want me to edit that out? All right, okay. Um, for me, it didn't feel like a final episode. Right. Well, it, maybe they weren't sure it was going to be. Maybe no, they thought it was. Go- I, I've asked that question before. Oh. It, they knew. Um, it felt like they just got a couple of the Gallaghers back and were like, have a reunion and we'll just do a random storyline. We'll bring Kev Ball back and um, then it's done. Yeah. Like, I kind of, I don't know what I was expecting. I wanted them to blow the chats with up or something. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, there should have been something. I don't know. I don't know because I... I, I... I've yet to watch it. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> Something for Netflix. But I will tell you, one of my favourite episodes, actually, you are heavily involved in. Oh, it's when brilliant. the new brothel comes to the Chatsworth. Oh, that new brothel. Oh, yes. When it's oh, all yeah. computerised. I, I don't know why. I love that episode. Really? Oh, yeah. That's really- that is always like when it when I'm, I rewatch it on Netflix a lot. I fall asleep to Shameless quite a lot, which is, might be a little bit weird. Um. And whenever that episode pops up, I go, oh, I'll watch this. I won't close my eyes. Oh, that's really sweet. All the girls who, that that episode with the new brothel, all the girls that came in, all the actors that came in were absolutely fantastic. All of them. They were, they were so sound. But my my lasting memory of that show, and I honestly believe it's affected my body permanently, is coldness because I wore very little. And I think it genuinely has altered my my inner gauge to the point where if you if you notice towards the end the end series I'm always in the white fluffy coat. Yes. 
I'm always in it because I was just like, please, Joe, the costume design was fantastic. I know I'm a prostitute, but can we maybe like... Can we just wrap me up, have please? Have some kinky costumes with trousers. And those costumes. Me and Joe, which used to go to markets like Berry Market. And I sex thought shop. you were talking Joe to teen. I was like, oh, got a wardrobe of the costumes. Uh, no, no, um, Joe Slater. Who's it took me a second. And I was like, what? But she she used to come back with all these contracts. And if we laughed at it, if she held it up and we both went, <laughs> then I'd wear it. And that was... Do you know who I loved watching you with? Alice Barry. <laughs> I just think that that woman is a national treasure. Uh, well, she's a prime example of um, um, Paul Abbott. She was just, she was extra and she was dressed as a tomato and he was like, there's something about her. And he just said, let's write her in it. And yeah. that was how she ended up being one of the main characters. I loved watching you with Lillian. That was. Oh, it was so funny that the laughs we had, just because honestly, I'll be at work some days and I couldn't quite believe what was happening. I'm like, is this real? Because to be honest, a lot of the time, what was going on backstage was actually more. Write a book. Incredulous than what R was that. Write a book. Please write a memoir. Get sued. <laughs> <laughs> just change all the names. Oh, yeah, I could do that, couldn't I? Barry yeah. Alice. <laughs> that would actually work. <laughs> yeah, it would. <laughs> um, did, did you nick anything from the set? I love asking people that. Um, I nicked the white coat. Do you have a favourite Kelly moment? Uh, do I have a favourite Kelly moment? I loved artistically doing all the stuff where she is on drugs and she falls down the cliff and she's been hugged by herself. And oh, is that those... when she OD'd on the floor? Uh, when she's at the party and she's taking drugs after she's lost the baby. And I know that's further down the line, but I loved that. I loved any scene where I worked with Sean Gilder because he was just a dreamboat. Um, absolutely loved that. I loved the wedding with um, Shane, yes. Kelly and Fred. I loved all of that with the stuff leading up to that. Yeah, I loved working with Nikki. It was, it was brilliant. So, yeah, that was probably overall all the stuff where she's not told Shane about Paddy and then she, that's why she can't marry him and then they end up getting married. That Yeah, that was great. Oh, and I loved the train spotting sequence. Yes. In the wedding dress, running down the street and rolling over the car bonnet and all of that. That was great fun. I have two. As the as the UK's self-proclaimed biggest shameless fan, I'll, I'll give myself two. One has nothing really to do with you, but it's still a Kelly moment. Oh. It introduced me to my favourite song, uh, L I F E G O E S O N. Oh, that like great? montage oh. of ah. you and I was like, I remember watching it and I was like, I love this song, and now it's like my most played song on Spotify. And the other one is dead early on with you and Shane, and somebody bumps into you in the pub and you go, Do you know who I am? Kelly fucking Maguire. And you're not Kelly Maguire, but I was like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you know what? We it was it was a brilliant job that. And you, you should, I, one day I will watch it from start to finish because that's the thing when you're in something, you yeah. and it's really hard watching yourself as well. I find it really difficult, really difficult because you're not. Or you hear it's like when you listen to your own voice on a recording, like you know, it gets better. 
gets oh. better. Do you know, I can listen to myself now without wanting to slip my wrists. That's good. Because see if you just do it enough. Yeah, but I've done it loads. I can't, you know what I mean? I'm like on telly oh, quite yeah. a lot. Yeah, true. <laughs> and as you're getting older as well, you're just seeing all the things that don't work anymore on your face and you're like, oh. Oh, be quiet. You're a national treasure. <laughs> no, just, yeah, but it's not for me. Although... I don't want it to come back, and I don't think a lot of people want it to come back just because it wouldn't be the same, not for any other reason. We don't hate it. Would you, if they phoned you like tomorrow and said, we're coming back, what would your... And just say Corey's not in the mix, because obviously you've got a good job right now. Well, with... with uh, That's a... Um, it would have Series to... 2 cast. So all of the Maguires, apart from... Uh, no, none of them are dead, apart from Mandy. Um, all of the Gallagher's... Like Yvonne, Alice. It would have to have a completely different slant, but um, no, no, I wouldn't. No. Okay, so um, I'm going to cancel my petition. Um, In that, you know what? Because it's not just about choices. Sometimes, if I had bills to pay and needed the money, then you know I have done that in the past where I've taken jobs I've not particularly wanted to because I needed the cash. Yeah. Um, but it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world to to redo it, but. I don't think they will bring it back. No, I don't think so. But I, I think not. No, I think not. And I think if they did bring it back, it was something very similar to the beginning of Actual Shameless would happen, where they would film like the first four episodes and go, this doesn't work. We need to change everything or scrap it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because of those um, lovely... Electricity and the uh, uniqueness uh, that it had in the beginning, then I'd bite the hands off. Because, yeah. I mean... So would I. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it's... it's... Can you can you get that again? I don't know. I like just... like Cheers. You know when there was Cheers and then there mm. was the spin off and that worked brilliantly because it was kind of the same character but in a completely different setup. Um, that's interesting. Mm. Revisit something exactly as it was. Does it ever work? In my own personal opinion, just as a fan of the show in general, uh, my thoughts always go to one specific character in the show. I cannot imagine Frank Gallagher in any other incarnation. Yeah, absolutely. And without the show, without Frank, you don't have a show, in my opinion. You don't have that show, for sure. Yeah, exactly. That's the better way to put it. Like, everyone's great, don't get me wrong. Yeah. Frank's uh, not I, my favourite character. Yeah, but it needs him. Yeah, I agree. But he is the, the epicentre of that place. Italy. and I. Yeah, so... Um, please don't bring Shameless back. Please don't ruin it. You've almost <laughs> done that with the last series. What a question that I love to ask everyone is if someone came to you tomorrow, again, Corey's not in the mix because we're not giving yeah. Corey up for anything. And somebody came and said to you, listen, I want you to do a two-hander in the West End, but I don't know who I want to pair you with. Who do you want? You got? They've got to be alive. Oh, that's a good one. I have the same answer every week. Oh, there's so many, but... Um... I think it would have to be, oh, what's his name? He was just in Jerusalem. Normally really good for names, but my eye is there. He was the big friendly giant, the BFG. In the new one? In the um, the film. The he BFG. Did the voice. Oh, my goodness. Mark Literally. Rylance? Mark Rylance, yeah. I would love to work with him. Oh, my goodness, would I? That would be That would be a dream come true. Um, but there's so many brilliant, brilliant actors. I, I'll carry on my campaign of like hundreds of weeks now. Um, Catherine Tate, 
please do a two-hander with me in the West End or come on the podcast. Oh, yeah, get her on the podcast. You're brilliant. I mean, I've asked and it's um, it's starting to feel a bit personal. Oh, really? Yeah. No, it's yeah. not. It's not. <laughs> Trust me. Fine. I know that Catherine Tate could not give a fuck about me. And I'm at <laughs> peace with that. Do you know what I mean? Uh, oh, she'd be great to get on, though, wouldn't she? Oh, Absolutely. one of my heroes. Yeah. Yeah, she's mm. a very... Like, I just think, like, again, another very formidable woman in her field. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And I do think that... I think she should be knighted. Well, you can't be knighted, can she? What, what can a lady get? Dame, Dame Hood. Yeah, Dame Catherine. Dame Catherine. That's got a ring to it. I've been watching The Crown recently, and oh. not not because she died or anything. <laughs> Started watching it before. And I just keep having these um, visions of grandeur of people bowing to me and curtsying. Then I saw fucking Liz Truss's curtsy, and I was like, that is not how one curtsies to royalty. I've actually not seen oh. the, tr- the, the curtsy. It's like was- she's headering a football. Let me see if I can find it and I'll show you it. But it's it's not good. And because I've been watching The Crown, there's this one very um like scene that keeps coming up. And it's like, um, when you meet her medrister, um, don't talk to her until she spoke to you. If you're curtsying, one foot goes behind the other leg and you like dip and then bow your head and only take her hand if she offers you it the first time you meet her you say her majesty every other time it's mom and i'm like saw liz truss which i've just typed into twitter liz truss curtsy and it's the first thing that's popped up and i'm like this is not how you curtsy to to the king For context, I did not realise that was one where somebody has edited a football to hit it off of her off of her head. But yeah, it's the most pathetic. Uh, and I'm not even like this oh. is somebody that doesn't really give a fuck about the monarchy. But if you're gonna do it, do it do fucking it. properly. Otherwise, you have me- me- memes made about you. So. <laughs> yeah, but well, it's like the Ki- Pritchard <laughs> brothers. If you're gonna act, act properly. Do it properly. Save <laughs> yeah. Effort. Yeah. You've. Oh You've had such a successful career already and you've done so much, but what has been your biggest what-the-fuck-is-happening moment in a good way? Um, I would say that was working with Tom Courtney on um, a radio play. Uh, that Ian Kershaw, who writes for Corrie, who suggested the Seb's death storyline. So it's been really influential in my career. And he wrote for Shameless and he did all the Kelly and Shane stuff. So, so he's given you a lot of money. He has. He's been brilliant. And it's Julie Hesman Hallshire's husband. So there's the connect through and through and through. Another um, fucking disgustingly talented human being. Yeah, crazily so. Absolutely. But um, yeah, he wrote a, a radio play that ended up winning a Sony Award and all sorts. It was brilliant. And it was, it was I played Tom Courtney's daughter and he had dementia, Alzheimer's. Um, I know they're different, but I think it was dementia. I don't um, know the difference. I know they're different. <laughs> But I'm not really sure either, so I'm going to. Just... And I should know this because I just wrote a play about dementia. Perhaps you should know that then. Yeah. yeah. Well, I know but... what dementia is. I just don't know how different Alzheimer's is. Yeah, I, I, I'm not sure. If I don't know. They're yeah. similar. Yeah. yeah. I think they're on the same. I think they're different branches of the same tree. Excellent. So he he'd written this, and Tom Courtney played my dad, and I played his daughter, and we had five days 
doing this radio play because it was, you know, a big deal. And um, I got to hang out with him. And he's <laughs> Sir Tom Courtney, you know, I mean, he's like uh, a legend. And I, I was just pinching myself and in awe of this beautiful man and he gave me a copy of his book and said to you know to my daughter and he was we just had really beautiful conversations and we connected and that doesn't always happen but he was oh I just I was walking on air the whole Do you ever week. find it mental that people think that about you? I don't think anyone thinks that about me I think it's a completely there's no there's no comparison at all. And that's not me being full. That's me being I beg to differ. <laughs> well, okay, cool. But this this was this was like like to to me, you are like up there. Wow. Wow. Well that's and you <laughs> are one of those actors not to lick your ass or anything, like genuinely, I do this podcast because I like to celebrate the people that I admire and respect. Not to like lick your ass or anything. I wrote a play during lockdown and with my best friend, and we wrote it quite different to other writers like we wrote separately edited together but I wrote quite a lot of dialogue for one particular character and you were always in the back of my mind I don't have money for to pay you so that's not a job offer or anything but like you are like up there for me oh well that's really lovely thank you like this is probably the highlight of my year oh my goodness like I feel feel like Need to take you out for the day or something. <laughs> Get me out. <laughs> it's been a long time. I need to get you out of the house. No, genuinely, like the the reason I'm an actor is because of TV shows, two in particular, Shameless and Two Pints, because they reflected the place that I grew up authentically. You could relate. It, it's not even that. It was. It wasn't that I related. It's I looked at it. When I could understand what acting was and what the bigger picture was, I looked at it and said, that's what I want to do. I want to tell real people's real stories authentically. Yeah. And it, yeah. it was never like, because I couldn't really relate to a lot of people in Shameless because although I am working class, I've had a lot of privilege in my life. Yeah. And like, I've never had to be a prostitute. I've never like... I'm trying to think of other things that Shameless has done. I've never, like, I've never, I've never met, broke the law. Like, yeah. and I'm aware that that comes with privilege. Do you know what I mean? I've never been in that position. Recognising certain characters or recognising a mindset. It, 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 it has always been for me, like, I just want to tell real people's real stories. And there's, there's this play that I've wrote, actually. This is not planned. This is not <laughs> planned at all. <laughs> in my desk drawer <laughs> um yeah. That... yeah oh wow it was on at the the webster's theater in april and it's going to be on again next february at the webster's theater ticket links below wink wink nudge nudge um <laughs> but i would love to send you a copy if that would be okay um I, the character do not take this offensively because i know that you've said about the way that you've been typecast before the character that I always had you in the back of my mind for is a character called Rhonda, who is a sex toy selling, dog breeding, stealing neighbor. Great. So she's never done, like, the only time she ever comes into this character, this family's life, she comes in and she's like, Can I borrow some milk? Can I borrow your razors? Can I borrow your shaven foam? Like, she's Sorry. never done 
a, and her she sells sex toys. She's Anne Summers rep. Her husband does the weirdest sponsored charity events you'll ever hear of. Like he'd just done in the first scene, she walks in and goes, he's gone down to the mayor's office because he were doing that sponsored event last night, that sing-along to high school, sponsored sing-a-thon to high school musical for all the sex addicts in the local area. No, <laughs> sponsored sing-along to songs of praise for all of the local sex addicts. And I always, I, I don't know why, I just always had you in the back of my head. You were like the guiding force for Rhonda. I uh, I take that as a compliment. There's no other way to do that. <laughs> but I would I would really like to send you a copy, and I'd love to hear your thoughts. Can I just send that to your agent? You can send that absolutely, or you can just send it to me. I'll give you my uh, address. Yeah. Not wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> While we're recording, I live at twenty three Muse <laughs> Avenue. And here's my email and phone number. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, I I want to talk to you about Coronation Street, but I want to play a game with you first because I okay. feel like we're in a fun mood. It's called Stage Right or Stage Shite. And it's okay. three stories. Two yeah. of them are the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, and have been submitted by listeners. And one of them is a big fat lie. I have the answer in a sealed envelope with your name on it, so I can play along with you. These fuel, okay. these fuel my life. I was reading these earlier. They're great. Brilliant. Number one. Sometimes while I was at drama school, my mum would come in and serve as a guest director. And she happened to come in to direct one of my theatre and education modules where we had been tasked with creating an anti-drug show for secondary schools. And on day one, my mum said, I need you all to imagine that you're at a party and you've taken lots of cocaine. To which I replied without thinking, well, I know how that I know what that's like, accidentally admitting to my mum that I had taken cocaine. Number two. During my third year of drama school, my best friend and my boyfriend were cast as Romeo and Juliet. And as it turns out, during their, in air quotes, private rehearsals, my best friend convinced my boyfriend to break up with me so that she could sleep with him without betraying me. The irony. It's literally what it says. The irony. Number three. During my final year of drama school, I was in my final production and me and my main scene partner really didn't care for each other. And towards the end of the play, we had to have a fight that our chore that our director had very carefully choreographed because he was aware of our mutual dislike of each other. And on the final night, she decided to go off choreography and off of the art of stage combat. And she belted me as hard as she could across the face, followed by her spitting on me before she left the stage before I got a chance to hit her back. Our dispute at drama school was finished with a fight, though, on the night of our final day, I won. Right. All of those could be true. But see, if somebody spits on me, I don't care how fast you're leaving that stage. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, that's sorted there and then. It is, yeah. I think the last one's not true. Like, also, like, yeah, people have sex with each other all the time in drama school. Yeah, your boyfriend definitely cheated on you. And bit weird that your mum decided to take a job in your drama class, not going to lie. Um, oh. So she kind of deserves it. Oh, yeah. If oh. she's going to take that job, she deserves to know what her son is doing. Okay, so I might change my mind just because oh. it is really random that his mum would just take a job in a... That's really weird. That doesn't happen. I don't so know. My say... mum's not in the industry. Like, imagine, like, what when I first read it, my thoughts were like, who's a really famous... Emerald Fennel. Like, imagine her child in, like, 20 years' time is at drama school. Is that a real person? Emerald... Yes. She played Camilla in The um, the Crown, and she was... <laughs> she wrote uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber's... Uh, Judas. Um, his Cinderella on the West End. And she wrote and directed a film called Promising Young Woman, which I believe won an Oscar. Yeah, 
brilliant film. Yes. Have you not seen it? I haven't, not yet. It's fantastic. It's amazing. And that's her, is it? Yeah. This should show you. I don't know who anyone is anymore because I'm that old, all about myself. So Honestly, imagine like her in like 20 years' time, her son's at drama school, and she's like, I don't know how this would ever happen, but out of work, I can't get a job. She's like, I'm going to take this like guest freelance director for this module. Because if she's an actress and she's done all that, she's well aware of what happens. Not that all actors are drug takers. <laughs> I'm going to say number three, because if somebody spat on me on stage, they're not getting off that stage before I get them. That, I mean, that is, yeah, I I think... She broke I, the professionalism before the other person did. I have to say, firstly, just to finish the Emerald Fennel, one, that is the most magnificent name I've ever heard. <laughs> Two, I am really aware of this woman. I didn't know that was her name, I, but I adore her. I loved her in The Crown, and I the, a promising... I've not got Camilla yet. Oh, I, I just, I just... just watched him become Prince of Wales. She's fab. She's just really sexy and awesome. And he's just like nobody's I, ever said that about Camilla before. This is the thing because we're all like we're all like, why is he choosing Camilla over Princess Diana? You know, and it's like because Diana's so beautiful and da, 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 da. But Camilla, she's got something, and you can see it in this. You kind of go, oh, I get it, right? I For see. me, it was just the you fill up my tank. Ooh, I know. Let's not go down that path because that was <laughs> it's look, on the same lines of George Galloway and Rula Lenska in the Big Brother house going. Do you, do you want me to be the cat? That gives me cramp in my buttocks. <laughs> that's what fill up my tank does to me. Yeah, that's not that's not good, is it? It's all a bit much, too much. <laughs> so I'm sticking with my original because, like you say, if someone's spitting on you, that's that's it, isn't it? That's yeah. That's if if up. they've but so first of all, they've properly belted them across the face and then yeah. spat on them. Yeah, not getting off that. So I'm going for number yeah. three. No talking over gesticulation. Oh, by by the sound of it, it's like they went dush gobbling on you, right? Yeah. No, then I think three. number three. Ah! Nobody like I wouldn't let somebody spit on me. No, like it's ridiculous. They broke the professionalism before me. They're yeah. getting battered. That's not good, is it? <laughs> I remember business wives. There was a scene where. Um, Emma, the, uh, the actor in the scene, had to spit on me, but because it was drizzling in real life, um, it wasn't showing up on camera. So she spat on me about 16 times, but they ended up having to mix it with egg. Oh, for fuck's sake. So I'm being sp in, the, in my hair on my face. I mean, it was awful for both of us, but she's having to like swill egg white round her mouth and then spit it on me. It was horrendous. It was so bad. Pre-COVID, eh? You wouldn't get away with that now. Oh, that's maybe where COVID came from. You know? <laughs> yeah. Egg white and spit. <laughs> you probably, I wonder, what's it like on Corrie? Are you allowed to, like, are you, everything back to normal now? Uh, not entirely. It's much better than it was. But if there are any scenes where you're kissing, you still got to have a COVID test. Mm. I'm yeah. waiting for them to make it really easy and to let Kevin and Sally get back together so you and Joe can get together. And then they don't have to, like... Gonna... You up. So is that not that's the worst thing ever? Is I that could crossing too many barriers. Be horrendous. Yeah, that's horrendous. That's not 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 good. Joe's no. listening to this. Uh, www.howtogetadivorce.com. <laughs> <laughs> but but with Corey, did you like? Obviously, 
you basically came in the same sort of character as Kelly from Shameless, what you'd majorly been... I just get characters that are, like, on drugs or <laughs> homeless or, you know, sex workers or whatever. But, and, and do you know what? I always, always go in with nice makeup on, <laughs> on, and it doesn't matter. They just they, they see the essence of who I am, clearly. But yeah. you know what? I don't care. I love it. They're the best characters anyway. A hundred percent. No, they, they really are. Did you... um? Was it on the bucket list being from the north? Were you like Corey? Uh, it was. It was something. It was something when I was younger. It not so much, but as you get older and you get to a point. I mean, I was. It was the, the auditioning is tough, and as a woman, as you get older, there aren't as many jobs. It's just a fact. Um, when this because, is where we get off goes to TV, you can have Rhonda. When I've got yeah, it, yeah, it's it's uh, it it's for me. It was just. It was the the right time, and it's a brilliant job, and you can breathe out for a bit. You can relax, knowing that you're not going to have to audition mm. in a month's time, ending three months or whatever. You're not constantly on that wheel. You can just go, oh, and then you can, you know, settle down and think about your home life more, and and yeah. do that side of things, holidays and all that kind of stuff. So there's more to life, I guess. Was there a point? Was there a part of you that was like, okay, so? I hate to keep bringing it back to Shameless, but you were on that for so long. You had become well-known for being Kelly. Was there a part of you that ever went, do I want to strap myself into another iconic TV show that then people will now know me as Abby from Coronation Street for a longer period of time? No, no. And that doesn't bother me at all. Really doesn't. Um, I've, I've, had a really really lovely career I've, you know most of your when you do characters that are more of a stretch or different from who you are I tend to be theater based anyway and I did years of theater yeah. and played some amazing um tv always tends to be quite close to who you are anyway um and you know if you if you're ever casting something which is an as an you have an rp voice then you're like oh you're really versatile um, and that's, it's, it's funny uh, but you know at some point in my career it'd be nice to do a role like that but I'm not gonna cry about it I'll worry too much about it because next season of the crown Camilla well yeah exactly I could do that I could do that but yeah it's it's uh, it's it's I'm okay I'm really really okay with it things have worked out so fast so there's no reason why they won't keep working out there's only one reason I'd love to be on the crown right now Imelda Staunton <sighs> let that woman that. stand on my neck like oh. Not in a kinky, perverted way, just as like an just act like, of devotion. Yeah, like I'd yeah. be like, I'd let her spit on my face and run off stage. Yeah, well, yeah, I would too. Yeah, one hundred and ten percent. Um, how how's Corey going? Because we're like you said, we're still in this sort of pandemic era. You enjoying it? You're going to quit anytime soon? You hating it all? No, I love it. I love it. Um, I'm just signed again, so it's all good. Um, it was really busy. I mean, it's the hardest job I've ever done in my life. Mm. Uh, when I was really busy for a good year and a half, solid. Yeah, because you had I, that massive, yeah, you know, and a child I, dying storyline. And you, you're uh, you'd be looking at 10, 12 scenes a day every day, and a lot of them were two handers, and you just spend all day crying every day, and, and that is a real oh, you've got to have some stamina. Um, What's and, the turnaround like from getting a script to filming an or filming uh, a scene? Well, it's it, it, it I think it's. That's a really good question. I don't really. What know. I'm trying to gauge is how long do you have to learn your lines? Well, it 
totally, totally depends on how busy you are. So you have you get your scripts two weeks before, something mm. like that. But if you're really, really busy, um, you can you can look at so so when I was really busy, I was doing I, I could be doing like easily fifty scenes plus a week, and wow. that's a lot. Um, so you would wouldn't be able to learn all of those in advance. You have to. I would get them on a, a Friday, read through them all, so I'd know what I had in the week, but then keep it to a day and a night. So I would learn the next days and get familiar with the days after, but then leave it at that because it's too much. Your brain mm. can't. But then, leave. do you feel like you've got a, an imbalanced work-life balance? Yeah, absolutely. When it's busy, it's completely all about work. I was mm. um, doing a couple of hours on a night and then going straight to sleep. Weekends were a write-off. It is. It was absolutely imbalanced. Um, but it doesn't last forever. It's so also now, the best job in the world, acting. It's yeah, and it, yeah, exactly. You're doing what you want to do, and now I've had like two months off where I haven't done mm. a thing, and I've been able to do whatever I want, which is fantastic. So it really does work out, you know, yeah. and it works for me. I love it. I'm really, really, really happy with it. Is there one person on the street that you haven't gotten to do a scene with yet that you're itching to work with? Not really. <laughs> I know if I went into Corey, I'd be like, get me a scene with Gail Platt now. Yeah, well, I've worked with Gail, you know. I've, oh. Well, Helen, not Gail. Yeah, yes. You but, could answer yeah. this question. You're allowed to wear your own clothes as a character. No, but some people do look I'll bit. say it. Uh, not that I look at Helen Worth's ass. She's always wearing Armani jeans. Ah, well, yeah. I was thinking more of um, Chris Gascoigne, to be honest, who plays Peter Barlow. He likes mm. to wear his own. Um, but yeah, yeah. very. Helen... Or, or, what, what is more likely is um, they'll have asked Helen what jeans she likes and they'll have got similar ones in but this is and, and absolutely fair enough but for me I like it when costume totally deal with that I don't want to have any influence really unless it, um, once I'm absolutely in the character then that's fine because I don't want to look my character wouldn't look yeah. nice or Helen Gail would look nice yeah. but Abby wouldn't Abby's a right scruff she doesn't <laughs> care you know, she's she she hasn't got clothes. content. Yeah, the greasy hair, the tracksuit tops, and the crap trainers. Brilliant, no makeup, fab, fantastic. I know you said you don't like to watch yourself back, but obviously you've done a lot of stuff on Corey that's been like really fucking good in my opinion, and it's been like really like some harrowing scenes. Is there a point that you've sort of went, I'm a really fucking good actor, like seeing something that you've done? Uh, no, um, I have watched all that that when the actual death stuff happened I did watch all of that because I just wanted to see if I was hitting it right because Corey's a weird mix of heightened and mm. natural and it took me a, a good year and a half to kind of hit it get in the ballpark yeah um you'll you'll know exactly what I'm talking about when if you do watch something you can kind of go all right well uh, right you know, no, going no professional jobs under my belt <laughs> Professional or not? It's no, I'm. It's it's actually quite terrifying. I've done like three acting for camera classes in my life, yeah. and I'm yeah. now sat here going, "Okay, I was supposed to do that this summer. This summer ran away from me. Um, now what the fuck do I do if I get a TV job? Miraculously, because the auditions aren't coming in, so I'm really <laughs> worrying about nothing. But do you know what I mean? Got plenty of time. Do you know what you want to do though? You want to do as many self tips as you can. Just practice. I hate self tips. So what you, you that's it got to get over it you've it's, got it it's not that it's the thing that i hate about self tips is say we're doing an audition i come in the room and i'm performing for you 
And I can tell normally within about the first 10 lines of a monologue, ah, she's turned off. She's not paying any attention to me right now. Let me change something up. You can't tell that on a self, and that's why I hate it. But you can't, but, and that's a really valid, good point, but the director or the producer doesn't care about that. They just see you kind of going, oh. So you need to get to a place where you're like, no, I'm getting something out of this. You have to make it work for you. Yeah, 100%. But um, to do that, you need to get self-tapes coming in. <laughs> well, don't. You don't. You just need to... Oh, give I your... film monologues all the time. Oh, okay, cool. Well, there and you go. then That's... sit and dissect them for six days. And then at the end of it, I go, do you know what? I'm <laughs> going to be a spicy accountant. Fuck this acting malarkey. That's what you, when you watch yourself back, you're like, you can't, you never yeah. come. I am brilliant. Oh, I, my. I, I do a really weird thing with my nose all the time. I catch myself. I go, <laughs> never do it. For Everybody listening cannot see what I just did. Um, I move my nose like a bunny twitching. And um, I never do it in real life. And I, I never do it like watching. We're, we're filming a documentary at the moment as we go and put the show back on because it was the first one of the first. I shouldn't say the first. It might be, but we're not entirely sure. It was one of the first shows to be put on in Scotland after the pandemic. And this company got involved in like, we loved the show. We can see it. If you're doing it again, we want to film the process. And I was like, yes, please. Like, feed my ego. And we went and done like a sit down, me and Heather, who wrote it, like a sit down five hour interview. It was fucking horrible. And like, I watched the footage back and I never once go, but every self-tip I do, I'm like, what are you doing, Maureen? Yeah. <laughs> like, unconsciously. And I'm like, what is wrong with you, you weirdo? It's awful. But, yeah, you'd, when, I, when I'm not completely in something or I'm aware that I'm doing something, I I do a sniffing thing. I'll, I'll do a sniffing thing. Or if I'm stood, my arms are literally like this. like <laughs> One of those men outside the car garages. Arms down, ask because i've always been fascinated by the concept of being totally in character mm. what does that mean for you dead easy it means connecting to to um a real emotion so it doesn't like say for instance with all the seb stuff i haven't lost a son i haven't lost mm. anyone um in that way that you, you'd completely dead does sally still exist or is it like a trance like because i imagine oh. when people say like i'm in character i'm in the zoom that it's uh, a total just like I'm Abby and Sally, it doesn't exist in this world. I'm, I, I'm not, I, no, it's not that because I'm obviously me still. Yeah. But I will get myself, I will think of something where I've been heartbroken. So for me, I use, I use like a breakup or whatever. And it doesn't matter what it is, as long as it creates that same sort of heartbreak. And then on top of that, you have to know your lines inside out, back to front, because they can't even be in it. And then you just put yourself in that character's place. So then you you, you, you don't, you, to become something. Because like, uh, like, the way that I've always thought about it, because I always really thought I was a shit actor because it wasn't what I did. But I imagine, like, did you ever see those, um, like, really old episodes of The Simpsons where they've got, like, a glow around them and nobody on the outside can touch them because uh, yeah. they're in this little world? Like, when people sort of go, I'm in the zone. I've always imagined it to sort of be something like that where it's just, like, tunnel vision. Yeah, that makes sense. That is what it's like. You are sort of focused. Okay, you so are... I might be a shit actor. 
no, no, <laughs> no, not at all. But it's when you, it's like you know when it's going on, when you've got it, when you're in that moment, because you can't get it wrong. It's suddenly, you just go, I, even if it looks crap and it doesn't work, in that moment, you are doing what you need to do, which is you're, you're mm. the, about the words it's about the intention and the emotion of the situation and that's all it is for me and it's mm. if you know, and like if you have got an accent or you know you're wearing a corset or whatever all that adds to it and you know informs your performance so it's using all those things but it, it for me everything it has to come from a point of connection to that character's story i think that's the most technically acting wise we've ever got on this podcast so people that have come have actually got what they came for <laughs> i remember telling all my friends i'm going to do this really serious theater podcast about um theater and i'm going to talk about like going to do the original idea was going to be um we're going to do a different like subject every week like one we'll talk about emotional recall i did the first episode and i was like i just want to talk to people i'm just a nosy <laughs> bastard like i'm gonna ask all these weird questions and see what happens um but we're coming to the end now and i've got one of my final questions from you it's a new closing tradition we have on the podcast and it's a question from the previous guest to the current guest they don't know who they're asking it um, and you won't know who you're asking but the question that's been left for you is what would you say to 16 year old you about your career now what would you tell them about your career i would say just take your foot off your own head don't worry about everyone else everyone else's opinion whether you're good enough all those things just focus on the work do your best treat an audition like the performance itself and everything else is out of your control. You aren't in control of anything, ultimately. But all you can do is do the work, do it to the best of your ability, and don't make it your life. Enjoy your life and look after the people who look after you. Everything else isn't mm. worth that energy. I think I would say to 16-year-old Ingram, sitting in his GCSE chemistry exam, um, don't shut up. Because don't listen to the people that are telling you to be quiet because one day it's going to be your job and you're going to get to speak to some of the craziest mentalist people because you didn't ever shut up. Yeah. That's what I'd say. Because I, I, got, I got called that when I, I was the loud kid when I was in school and I was the one that was like, oh, he talks in class. Right. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd like, I think it's fed me quite well. <laughs> Absolutely, I, I think you know, the third the best drama podcast in Britain. Yeah, and you know what? It is important to you know your voice is as valid as anybody else's. Um, Sometimes it's not. Sometimes I do talk a lot of utter shit. But that's okay, and also, but you know what? You also listen, and as long as you're listening as well as talking, then it's all good. It's just because I'm nosy. <laughs> it doesn't matter what. <laughs> like, if there's something to know, I want to know it. <laughs> 10 out of 10 would go to the opening of an envelope um what's what's coming up for next for you i know you're in Corrie. have we got anything else that we're allowed to talk about any ndas that can be broken uh no absolutely nothing nothing at all i'm, I'm gonna know if it with my dog next week that's about as exciting as but where can everyone follow you on social media to keep up with what you're doing um i'm rubbish on social media but they can follow me on oh what sally, sally carmen i'll get yeah. it up I'll get yeah. it up. At, uh, on Instagram at Sally underscore Carmen underscore underscore. Or oh, click there. the link in the show notes below. It's second fittest girl on Corey. Who's the first? Right. Well, that's me quoting someone who made yeah, a comment. Dave Mack. Yeah. 
and and I and I and I was like, and it just tickled me so much because I mean, oh, did he that, comment he, that on your? Was that like I, a backhanded compliment? There was a, there was a picture, and he went second second fittest girl going. I went, it was the first day. <laughs> did he did he answer? Should we no. hypo, should we hypothesize? Oh, cool. Emily there's, Bishop. There's some so many fit women on that job. I can't tell you. Emily Bishop. Yeah. She or was yet. Blanche. Blanche, nah, not Blanche. Genuinely, thank you so much for coming on. Like, I, like I've said throughout the podcast, without licking your ass, you are one of my personal. I haven't used this word up until yet because it sometimes paralyzes the conversation. One of my personal heroes, and um, thank you for everything that you've done. Oh, that's really lovely. Thank you very much for saying that. That means quite a lot. Well, what you've done for me. Well, for not for me, <laughs> like in your dressing room, doing this scene for Ingram today. Oh. Um, what you've done on television and the stories that you've told have impacted my life in such a way that I don't think I'll ever be able to articulate correctly. Oh, that's really lovely. Thank you. But honestly, thank you so much for coming on and doing this. It genuinely means the fucking world, not gonna lie. It is slowly turning into the shameless podcast. Oh yeah! <laughs> it it happened the other day without me even realizing it because I I got confirmation for you and I was like right no more shameless in 2022. Then Natalie Gavin came on and I was doing my research and she's in fucking shameless and I was like. But to meant... be fair, on long a long time and they got a lot of people on it, so it's kind yeah. of unavoidable. Like yeah, but it, it got to a point I think last summer where within the space of ten episodes, three of them were shameless. <laughs> it's like need to calm down like get somebody from high school musical on and there we have it another episode of drama school dropout episode 105 completed thank you so much to sally for coming on the podcast like i said one of my personal heroes this conversation has been a highlight of my year and like I just love her so much. She's such a talented actress. So please make sure to go and follow us both on social media, which you'll find down in the show notes below. And if you're feeling extra generous, please leave a rating and a review on the podcast. It helps us out so much you don't even know. Literally, this podcast market is so oversaturated. Like, literally, as COVID hit, everyone jumped on the bandwagon, including myself. So getting those reviews and ratings really helps us push the podcast even further. If you have a story for Stage Right or Stage Shite, please go down into the show notes below and click the link to the google form which will take you to our submission page and don't forget that you can now become an official drama school dropout by signing up to our patreon using the link in the show notes below i'll be back again next week with a brand spanking new episode you know the drill every tuesday at 6am have a great week stay safe i love you drama school dropout no graduation day Something new, trying to scoot up.